One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And waking up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased and there was calm. Then he said to them, Where is your faith? They were terrified and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Good morning, Village United Methodist. And good morning to all of you that happen to be watching online today as well. My name is Tim Travers, and I'll be helping out in ministry here in this congregation for the next few months. You might be wondering why I chose the scripture passage that I did for today, the one about Jesus calming the storm. Well, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record that story, and I think it's relevant for the message that I intend for us to focus on this morning. You know, I think we all have times in our lives when we face storms of various kinds, right? You know, in the metaphorical sense, usually, those are situations in life that are tough to go through. But occasionally, we might face a literal storm as well, one that sounds a little bit like the noise we made in the children's moment today. Have you ever had a time in your life where things seem to be going just fine, but then everything turned on a dime, and your whole world went topsy-turvy. Suddenly, you're in the middle of a crisis that you didn't see coming. That's when it seems that life goes from ordinary into the realm of extraordinary, right? Sometimes that also means that your sense of peacefulness in your life seems to disappear, Suddenly, it feels like you are thrown into basically a survival mode, perhaps emotionally or maybe even physically. But even in such a stressful time, you might still experience the amazing blend of power and peace and providence that comes from God. And you might even find that you come to enjoy telling the stories about how God's love took care of you when you needed it the most. Even as we experience those deeply troubling times, we might witness the ways, the amazing ways, that God takes care of us, provides for us, and offers us comfort and hope. And during those times, we might also realize just how deeply important prayer is in our life of faith. And then, it's like we know full well, once again, that the only peace we can really cling to is the peace we have in Jesus. During those times, 
Maybe our experience is similar to that of the disciples in the boat when that storm blew up against them. And then they called out desperately to the only one that they could think of to rely on in the middle of their emergency. Jesus, of course. When we feel that kind of soothing and calm in our soul, even during the storms of life, it can be a memory that we do feel like revisiting after all. And when we tell those stories and we retell those stories, it might even prove to build up our faith even more. And perhaps those times of crisis, which were definitely not enjoyable to go through, can even help bolster our faith. In fact, we might even end up cherishing those stories of the providence of God at work in our own lives. Why? Well, because when we celebrate the amazing things that God has done in our lives, it keeps us in a place of thankfulness about God's providence and peace. And when we're in a place of thankfulness, it can help to empower us to trust God all the time when we are going about our ordinary day, as well as when we find ourselves facing the extraordinary. Maybe this is part of what Jesus meant when he said that he came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. A life filled with more peace is a life that is abundant. Remembering how God was there with us through the worst times in our lives has the capacity to bring us back to the center with renewed focus because we are reminded of what truly matters in life. I'm really fond of the saying that goes like this, the most important things in life are not things, they're people. And remembering the stories about how God has taken care of us has a way of helping us to focus on the people in our life and how we might grow in our ability to show them God's love. Sometimes when we experience God's love, peace, and providence, it might come in the form of a still, small voice, a soothing, a blessed assurance. Other times it might come as amazing ways that we don't even have words to explain except to call them miracles. I'd like to tell you about two stories from my own life, times when I prayed desperately for the Lord's help. In one situation, I felt a mysterious soothing and assurance, which I believe came from the Holy Spirit. And in the other experience, it was a time of dramatic and divine intervention that I believe saved my life and the lives of my family members. In the telling of both stories, I invite you to witness the power and peace and providence of God at work. And my hope is that as you hear those stories, it just might bolster the faith that you have in your Lord during the ordinary times as well as the extraordinary times. Here's the first story. In late August 1984, when I was 16 years old, I was in my first week of senior year in high school. 
I wanted to save up some money for college, so I stopped by the nursing home where my mom worked and picked up an application for a part-time job. This all sounds like pretty normal stuff that a person entering their senior year is thinking about, right? It felt like an ordinary time, even though it was also a time of big decisions. I took the application home with me, but I never wound up filling it out. Why? Because later that same day, my life changed forever. And my family and I went through something that turned our whole world upside down. The phone rang, and my mom answered it. I crinkled up my brow as I listened to her side of the conversation, but I could tell that there was a bewildered and flat tone to her voice. You know, like how your voice gets when you've just been given some bad news? And after she hung up, my mom said, Dad's had an accident. My mind raced to keep up. So I thought at first that maybe he had an accident at the factory where he worked. You see, it was a steel manufacturing plant, and I knew that it could be a dangerous environment. But before long, I knew that mom meant dad had been in a car accident coming home from work. He worked in a town that was about 40 miles away from home, and we were told that he was hospitalized in that same town where he was employed. It turned out that he was involved in an auto accident on the highway after work. An elderly couple in a large car had crossed the center line on the highway and entered my dad's lane, and the cars had collided head-on. My dad was in a compact car, and so his car was demolished. My dad was in the hospital, but the people in the other vehicle just had bumps and bruises from the impact, so they were not in need of treatment. But all that my mom, my sister, and I knew at that point as we hurried to get the necessary chores done on the farm so that we could proceed to the hospital was that my dad had injuries to his ribs, pelvis, and hip. However, it became clear over the next day and a half that my father had a level of injury that normally a patient would not survive even long enough to be transported to the hospital. Because of the impact of the crash, the main artery coming away from his heart, the aorta, was completely severed. And he was bleeding internally. There was a mix-up and a delay in those ensuing hours, and there was no adequate imaging done in a timely manner, which is very sad. But even more sad is the fact that my father passed away from that internal injury just about 37 hours after the accident. You know, it was a devastating thing to answer the phone that second morning after the accident and hear my mom, who now had an even bigger numbness and bewilderment in her voice, tell me that Dad didn't make it after all. But here's why I tell you this story. God is with us even when we experience these kinds of terrible times in our lives. It was amazing that my father lived for 37 hours with a condition that most people would die from at the scene of the accident. Amazing. And yet, despite that miracle, sadly, he died. That was a lot for me as a teenager to go through and to make sense of emotionally. 
And it was a lot for our family, too. But let me tell you about the peace that was there when I needed it. When I was trying to settle down and get some sleep that second night after my dad's accident, I was praying. We'd been told that dad's vital signs were stable, and so there was reason for some encouragement. But I couldn't shake this feeling of anxiety and worry. And I tried to distract myself with some late-night television, but that didn't help. And finally, I heard the birds singing. Why? Because it was approaching dawn, and I'd been awake all night. Until finally I felt a peace come over me as I prayed, and I took note of the time on the clock when I was starting to fall asleep. And in that moment, I felt that God was sending me the message that all would be okay. I was only asleep about 20 minutes before my mom called and told me the bad news. She mentioned the time that dad passed. And you guessed it. It was right at that very moment when I had felt that special peace come over me. Right at that moment. You see, at the time when the peace had come over me, I thought it meant that my father would be okay in the physical sense. But afterwards... When I reflected on it, I felt like God was letting me know a different kind of peace. It was the peace of knowing that all is okay with Dad because his struggle and his suffering was over and he was at peace. You know, in these next weeks and months that occurred after that accident, I learned just how much the love and concern that comes from fellow church members can help us through something tragic like that. There is power in people's prayers, and there are miracles of healing that go way beyond the physical ways of being healed. Please never spend time doubting that your care, concern, and prayers make a difference to someone who is grieving. <coughs> Believe me, they do make a difference. My second story is one that has all kinds of miracles within miracles in it. It's a different kind of story than my first one because this time, God's power and providence can be seen clearly in the amazing ways that he allowed my family and I to survive something that boggles a person's mind. I won't take time to share all of the little ins and outs of the story, but I'll just summarize. So here's the basics of what happened. In 1998, when my wife Jackie and I had been married for almost five years, our son Zach was three and a half. And Jackie at that time was pregnant with our daughter Zoe. In fact, Jackie was eight and a half months pregnant. And the day was June 13th. It was unseasonably hot as a warm front had come through. And so that warm front that came through caused some tornadic weather to develop of which my family and I were unaware. We were driving along the highway in south central Nebraska early that evening, and the sun was still shining. But we noticed some clouds forming as we went further down the road, and suddenly we found ourselves heading right into the path of a tornado. I found out afterwards that it was likely a strong EF3 tornado, or what they called back then just an F3 tornado but I never heard officially what it was deemed. But one thing is for sure, it caught us by surprise. 
We came up over a rise in the highway as my wife was driving, and there was a tornado right there with a debris cloud on the ground about 80 yards in front of us. And we were right in the path of its destruction. It was making farm buildings disappear and wrecking houses and snapping off utility poles like they were toothpicks. Immediately, my wife stopped the car on the highway, and I ran out to fetch our son from the child car seat, and I snatched him up and headed for the ditch, and Jackie followed me. And as we lay there in the ditch, I had Zach underneath me because I thought if anyone might have a chance to survive this, then it would be him. Honestly, though, I didn't know if any of us could survive this. But Jackie and I had grown up in an era with constant public service announcements telling people not to try to outrun a tornado in their car, right? So it was like instinct for us to bail out of the car and get down as flat as we could. But what might seem unthinkable is that somehow when I ran toward the ditch with Zach, I was heading right into the very path of the vortex of that tornado because it was coming right down that ditch. It would seem to have made more sense for me to head toward the ditch on the opposite side of the road. But later, we realized that God was involved even in that little detail. You see, our car was taken up into the tornado as we were lying in that ditch, and it was hurled down to the ground and destroyed. And you guessed it, the car came down exactly where we would have been if we had gone to the other side of the ditch away from the tornado. Our own car would have squashed all of us. Now, I imagine that many of you have seen the movie Twister. Raise your hand if you saw Twister at some point, right? That came out in 1996, right? Well, I have to admit that some of the things that seemed a little far-fetched to me back then when I saw that movie, they became suddenly more realistic to me in 1998 when my family and I experienced the power of a tornado when we were right in the bottom of the center of that vortex of the tornado. I mean, it was just like in the movies because when the tornado hit our bodies, it was bearing down on us with such force, I didn't know if it was possible to survive. But also at the same time, sucking us up with extreme force. You know, it was just incredible. They always say that a tornado sounds like a freight train, which I would say is true, except when you're right in the vortex of the tornado, it's much worse than that. It sounds like an airplane taking off in your ears. And it was able to get underneath Jackie with more sucking power. Why? Well, because of her pregnant belly. She couldn't get as flat to the ground. And it pulled her up in the tornado, and I was hanging on to her hands with both of my hands, and she was floating straight up in the tornado as if she was doing some kind of a bizarre handstand at the end of my hands. And I was hanging on to her as hard as I could. I mean, wouldn't you? But I also know that I am definitely not stronger than a tornado. I have no doubt in my mind that it was God's miracle that we all survived. Jackie and I had some minor but painful injuries because we had been pummeled by all kinds of debris, both big and small. And Zach, since he was underneath me, didn't have a scratch on him. 
And Zoe was born just one week after that tornado, and she was just fine. Those two kids are not really kids anymore, of course, because now they're 28 going on 29, and the other one is 25. God is good. And like I said earlier, there are all kinds of miracles within miracles in that story, but I'll cut to the chase here. During the storm, as the tornado struck our bodies, I was yelling the prayer that just somehow instinctually came to my soul. You know, it's not like you have a lot of time to think about what to pray in that kind of emergency. And the prayer that I yelled over and over again as the tornado struck us was this, Lord Jesus, we love you, deliver us. Lord Jesus, we love you, deliver us. Meanwhile, Jackie was singing in Zach's ear, Jesus loves me, this I know. She was trying to calm him because he was confused and screaming. Moments later, she herself was screaming as the tornado pulled her up further into the vortex as I held on tight. But you know, I was thinking after the fact about that prayer that I prayed out loud in that storm. When it comes down to it, my prayer would have to come true one way or the other. Deliver us. Either we would be delivered from the storm and we would survive, or we would not survive and we would be delivered to heaven. Amen? We talked with little Zach. Remember, he was just three and a half years old. Just a few days after the tornado. Why? Basically, we didn't want him to end up being afraid of stormy weather the rest of his life, so we wanted to debrief with him at his level. But what we heard come out of his mouth we were amazed at. We asked him what he remembered about being in the tornado. You know what he said? Daddy was on top of me. Mommy had her hands on my head. Jesus was on top of us, and God was on top of everybody. Our eyes got even bigger, though, when he went on to say, I remember the angels. They were in the trees. They let the leaves hit us, but they wouldn't let the wood hit us. And right then, it was like a light came on for Jackie and me. We finally understood about those strange green slivers that she and I had worked at for three solid days to get out of our skin. Those splinters were the shredded leaves that the angels let hit us. And then Zach said, when we got up after the tornado, God said, it's okay, you can get in the siren truck. <laughs> you see, apparently God speaks three-year-old, because Zach knew what a siren was. We had lived next to a building where they would set off a big siren at noon each day. And he knew what a truck was, but he didn't quite have a totally clear understanding of ambulance yet. Sure enough, a deputy sheriff's vehicle plus an ambulance arrived just about a minute and a half after we stood up in that ditch. So we got into the siren truck out of the mouths of babes. I think you can see why I wanted to share both of those stories with you today. One story reminds us that Jesus grants us peace even in our worst and most sorrowful moments. Like the peace that I felt when my dad died, the Holy Spirit gives us 
assurance even then in the most difficult times we experience. And then the other story reminds us that there is also peace in knowing that sometimes the miraculous power of Jesus can totally amaze us. Perhaps it's like it was with the disciples in that boat when they were dumbfounded at the end of our scripture reading for today and they realized that Jesus even controls the wind. I, for one, can relate to that image. Friends, be encouraged in all things and know that you can always cling to the peace and providence and power that you find in Jesus. It can sustain you in ordinary times and it can sustain you in extraordinary times. So which hour of which day do we need to feel the presence of Jesus in our lives? My answer is this. Every hour of every day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.